What's up, martial artists? Welcome to Black Belt, a martial arts and lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Harinder Singh, and we're going to bridge the gap between sport, tradition, and reality. Join me as I sit down with world-class practitioners to discuss their lifestyles, to teach you about their mindset, training, and fighting methods so that we can grow from their wisdom. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Black Belt Podcast. This is a special switch episode. The Fantastic Budo Brothers have stepped in this week to interview me. For those of you who don't know much about me, let me share a little bit about my background. I'm a martial artist first, a defensive tactics instructor, a speaker, an author, and a high-performance coach. I specialize in training the trainers, and I've had the distinct honor of working with black belt school owners, military, special forces, secret service, and SWAT teams. I've shared my programs with over 150 law enforcement agencies, Silicon Valley business leaders, and professional athletes across the globe. As a profession, I teach Jeet Kune Do, Tai Chi, Qigong, Wing Chun, and the Filipino martial arts. I love boxing, wrestling, and savat, and hold a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm currently a doctoral candidate of Chinese energetic medicine and was honored to be inducted into the Martial Arts Masters Hall of Fame in 2019. This episode is all about developing accurate perceptive awareness and fostering effective interactions. My key takeaway is that martial arts teaches us so much more than punching, kicking, stabbing, and choking. It teaches us the essential skills of how to relax under pressure, slow down our perception of time, expand our awareness, read our opponents, and make conscious choices in chaos. There's no experience that can be disassociated from your relationship to your center. The ability to find your center, move from your center, keep your center under pressure, and recover your center after being knocked off is the key to personal and professional performance. We dive deep into discovering how to truly know yourself, how to know others, how to cultivate stillness and chaos, and most importantly, the art of honestly expressing yourself. We also define mastery not as a destination, but rather as the continuous change and transformation of the being. I truly believe that martial arts are the greatest vehicle to develop our human potential, discover the cause of our ignorance, and unleash our superpowers of creativity, connectivity, and adaptability. A big shout out to the Buddha Brothers for stepping in as guest interviewers and to all of you, my listeners. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I look forward to many, many more episodes to come. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Black Belt Podcast. You may notice a different in voice. That's because today you have special guest interviewers, the Budo Brothers. I'm Kyle. I'm Eric. And today we get to interview none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Sifu Singh. Sifu Singh, welcome to your show. (laughs) Well, guys, thank you so much for doing this. I know we've been talking about it for a while and um, we flipped the roles a little bit. So I appreciate you guys coming on. You've spent so much time interviewing some of the best martial artists in the world, and now it's our chance to dig into your mind. So maybe to start us off, what's your origin story with martial arts? How did you get started? Well, um, well, it all started for me when I was really young. My father was a sea captain, and he used to travel quite a bit. Uh, he On one of his trips, he was in Hong Kong, and when he came back, he brought a poster of Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. I think I was a toddler at this time and in a crib. And so what he did was he hung these two posters, but kind of like on a 45 degrees, like looking over the crib. So I guess you could say the brainwashing started then. And my mom said, I used to love Bruce Lee movies. I mean, I I remember watching the Bruce Lee movies as a kid, running around, kicking and punching. And it was just a big part of my childhood. 
Later, we immigrated to Canada. And when we immigrated to Canada, you know, my father traveled quite a bit. So um, both him and my mom uh, wanted me to be able to defend myself, my brothers, and build confidence and discipline. And so they enrolled me in the University of Toronto uh, Karate and Judo Academy run by Sensei Bert Konzak. So I did that, you know, for years. I mean, uh, until I was like 19 years old or 18, 19 years old, I competed. I did the usual uh, circuit of sparring and um, forms and things of that nature. But truly, I can say my journey began, you know, in the summer of 2001 when my life changed forever. Um, it was the summer of 2001. It's just not the summer, but just before the summer. It was the last quarter. I was going to the University of California, Davis at that time, studying to be a computer and electrical engineer. And um, it's the year end. There's a bonfire coming up and there's a whole bunch of people going to have a big party at, at Ocean Beach, which is in San Francisco. So we were one of the last two cars to arrive, you know, from Davis to San Francisco is about a, almost a, you know, hour and a half, sometimes two hour drive. So we're the last car to arrive. We come in down to this parking lot in Ocean Beach. It's an elevated parking lot about hundred yards away down from the parking lot. You go down the stairs and hundred yards away, there's a big party happening uh, at the beach. And literally like a movie out of the darkness, um, zero situational awareness. I mean, we're a bunch of college kids, right? First thing we did when we got there, you pop open the trunk and you have some beers and Mr. Jack Daniels and you're getting ready to go have some fun and zero uh, situation awareness. I mean, that's when you learn the other lesson is that good things happen to you when you least expect it and when you're having a good time. So literally out of the darkness, this local gang came and they were looking for someone. My roommate was to the left of me and there was a guy to the right of me who was smoking a cigarette. And uh, I remember they came in and the tactics they used, they, they, they diverted our attention. They asked the, the guy to the right of me for a cigarette. And the moment we looked there, they grabbed my roommate. They grabbed my roommate, took him to the center, started beating on him and instantly formed a perimeter. There was another guy that was there. He had ripped off a two by four, fresh off of a... Uh, a fence. I could tell because it still had the nails sticking out and he had kind of straddled it around his arm. So he's kind of walking around with it like a crucifix. And the moment they grabbed my roommate, he swung at me. I did an upper block and I, and I took a shot at him. And in that moment right there, I mean, first of all, zero situational awareness, right? Nothing was done, nothing to change the situation. Didn't even observe them all approach. 25 people approach you out of the darkness. That's kind of ridiculous, right? So in that moment, though, my life changed forever because it happened so quickly, but there was a choice that had to be made. That's my roommate, one of my best friends. Do I run um, or do I stay? So I decided to stay and I did absolutely nothing heroic. You know, it doesn't look like it is in the movies where they all circle you and they come at you one at a time. Um, it was absolute chaos. It looked much more like a rugby match. But in that moment, my life changed forever because that moment, I experienced the most beautiful moment of my life up until that point. I experienced this level of peace that I'd never experienced before in the midst of this chaos. Let me explain a little. When I was 13 years old, I lost my hair to alopecia areata. And I wore a wig from then onwards. And for the first time, you know, and when you're wearing a wig, you're, you're worried about what people think. You're worried about what people are going to say. You have this idea, this acquired personality, this mask that you operate from, um, this persona that you've created. But in that moment, for the very first time, I had freed myself from myself or they freed me from myself. And so it felt like the most beautiful experience of my life. And that's also how I discovered the flow state. Because what is the flow state? So when you're in the flow state, first of all, you freed yourself from yourself. 
So there's no more thoughts in your mind. There's no chitter chatter. There's no limitations of what you can, you can't do. No worrying about other people's opinions. You become a pure observer. The next thing is that time uh, um, dilates. So you have an experience or time gets displaced. And so time absolutely slows down. It's much like the matrix. Then the next thing is instead of it being a, uh, it becomes a effortless experience. It's absolutely effortless. The way you move, uh, the way you 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 transition, the thoughts and the decisions you make, it's absolutely effortless. And from there, the next thing is it becomes a rewarding experience. So in this situation, it was like a flow or die situation. So in that situation, I was in that moment, that situation forced me into that moment. It overrid my, you could say my acquired personality. It overrid who I thought I was. And I, for the first time, guys, for the first time, I actually met who I really was. So that, that day was very profound for me, you know, so I discovered the pillars of flow state that day, which is you no more thoughts of yourself. The time slows down. It's an effortless experience and it's absolutely rewarding. But if you think about most of the time that we spend our lives, most of the time that we spend our lives is spent in our heads. We're spent in our heads, this, listening to this voice, which is mostly negative, talking, yipping, yapping, telling us what we can, we can't do. The next thing is in time, we're not here in the moment right now. We are either in the past or in the future. We're worried about something that's going to happen or we're trapped in the past of something that, that has happened that we haven't been able to let go of. And instead of being an effortless experience, it becomes a very uh, exhausting experience. You have to work so hard. So it's no longer a, a rewarding experience. It becomes an exhausting experience. So it's really easy to see why we're so constantly distracted, overwhelmed, and exhausted all the time. So I experienced this, this concept right in that moment. And then that changed my life forever. And it became an obsession to look towards flow states, to understand them. How do I get there? How do I operate from there? And that started, you know, my journey. So my journey went into two branches at that point. Number one, <clears throat> excuse me. Number one was down the path of street fighting, Jeet Kune Do, and trying to figure out what the most effective forms of combat were. So I looked for the people that trained the military and I found my teacher that way. And I went deep into the study of Bruce Lee's philosophy and Jeet Kune Do. And through that, I got into Wing Chun. I got into boxing, to Filipino Kali, um, into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Okay, so I went deep into those, those aspects. But at the same time, now this is going to sound funny, so bear with me a little bit. Um, you can see I've healed so I can talk about it. One of the things is that I was so angry and so ashamed at what had happened that I was unable to defend myself. I was unable to protect my roommates. I, I had anger. I had fear. I had shame. That and and that anger, you know, it 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 and and fear makes you like uh, do things that are kind of crazy. So I said to myself, you know what? I am going to figure out the death touch because the next time this happens, I want to be able to touch people and kill them. I know that's funny as it sounds, especially to the listeners. That's was my thought process. And so I said, well, nobody who really knows is going to teach me. So let me, let me start to look it up. And I started to look it up and I started to read about it. What did I find out? I found that there were books and texts. And when I read those books and texts, they all pointed towards Chinese medicine, acupuncture points and meridians. So I said, well, if somebody knows it, they're not really going to teach me. So what I'll do is since I'm an engineer, I got the bright idea that I'll enroll in a healing course. I'll enroll in a medical Qigong course and I'll enroll in Tai Chi. And then I will uh, reverse engineer it for my nefarious purposes. Lo and behold, uh, when I went down that path, it, it became a path of healing. 
became a path of understanding, of realizing that, you know, how we look at things and how we look at obstacles and things that have happened in our, in our lives, how they can change and transform us. Because up until that point, I was pretty selfish. And all I cared about was making a lot of money. I cared about stock options and sports cars. And it was the dot-com boom days. Millionaires were popping up left and right. And so that's that's what I thought where status would come from. That's where you're, you're, you're after status and significance and importance and power and money. And those are the things that drive you. So, But if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have gone down this path to discover who I really was or ask myself those questions. And so, you know, that's, it becomes a healing thing. So you can look at people that attacked me as, as the devils or as the, as the, as the bad, or maybe they were angels sent in disguise to send me onto a different path. And I wouldn't be here today. So in long story short, I was in the wrong place in the wrong time. A street fight broke out. And in that street fight, I experienced this still point, this flow state in the chaos and got to meet my true self and experienced time freezing in space, the center of time and space. And from there, I went on this journey of going down Jikundo and Wing Chun and Tai Chi and Qigong and Filipino Kali and, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Savat and wrestling and martial arts became my life. It became my obsession. And it's the thing that saved me. I truly believe that martial arts is the greatest vehicle for human potential. To, to develop our potential, to discover the cause of our ignorance and to unleash you know, our superpowers, which are the ability to create, the ability to connect to people, places, and things, our opponents and our loved ones, create solutions to problems, create the best version of ourselves, become artists, and to connect and to adapt you know, to adapt, to be like water and flow, to adapt to situations and circumstances. I mean, these are the essential skills that transcend the dojo, the kun, the mats, and and really transfer into the rest of our life. And, you know, if all those things hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here today talking to you guys, doing what I love to do, uh, martial arts, uh, helping people, teaching others, and and of course, most importantly, training and growing myself because there is no limit to this. Uh, there's martial arts is this thing that just keeps on giving. And the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. Lovely, lovely. Now, we have had the absolute pleasure of filming and recording Sifu Singh for multiple years now. And we have to say that the growth that we've seen transform, even as he's training, is incredible. He really focuses on mastering skills, mastering mindset, and you know, sharing his gifts with the world. And a concept that he has really taught us is about mastering your center. And could you explain to the audience about how important it is to become centered? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, over the years of training, um, I'm, I'm always looking for the common thread. What is the common thread? And if you take a look at it, it's the state. The state of the operator is much more important than the operation. So what do I mean by that? The state that you're in, the, the state of mind, the state of being, the state of presence, the state of centeredness that you're in, when you're taking part in, in an activity is much more important than the activity itself. 
I noticed that that was the common thread to performance across the way, whether it was martial arts, whether it was sparring, whether it was fighting, whether it was in life and death situations, whether it was in a peak performance with regards to sports or in business, or most importantly, in relationships at home. We all know that there's nothing in this world that can be disassociated from our relationship with our own center. No good times, no bad times. So if you take a moment and you pause and you think about the great times in your life, you'll notice that you were absolutely in center. What do I mean by in center? That's the center of the body that's balanced and aligned with gravity. The center of the breath means you're aware your your the transition is in line. So normally when we talk about the center of the breath, it's the center point between the inhale and the exhale. And then from there, the center of the mind, which is the most important thing. Are you right here, right now in this moment? So the greatest experiences that you've had in your life, people call it flow states, or the times when you've really connected to people, times when you're in great creation, times when you're really adapting in situations and circumstances, you will find that you're coming from this center. There's no distractions. You don't feel overwhelmed. You don't feel exhausted. You don't feel distracted. There's no emotions. There's no fear. There's no stress. There's no anxiety. There may be chaos everywhere, but you're in the center. And from this center, you make your choices, you make your decisions. And it's from that center that you have those experiences. So even if you think back, not just in fighting, do you remember your first kiss? Do you remember when your child was born? Do you remember that moment when maybe you were fighting, you were in martial arts, you were sparring, or you were in a situation where time just slowed down and you freed yourself from yourself and you were in this moment, in this zone, in this flow state? And it's an absolutely beautiful experience. And I realized very early that that was that's that was the ticket. That's what it was about. And how could I, in my training, um, in my writing, in my speaking, in my connection with my loved ones, with my opponents, with my students, in the environment around me, how could I maximize my experience of this existence here on earth for the very short little time we're here coming from my center? What? Now, that sounds amazing to be and operate from your center. But as we all know, in today's chaotic world, it's so easy to get knocked off of our center. And I find it's difficult to snap out of it sometimes and regain that. What what can we do as martial artists and individuals to easily get back to our center? Uh, That's a great question. You know, uh, we, we all go to martial arts classes, right? And you, in the martial arts class, you're training, you're blocked out the rest of the world, and you have this connection that you, you know, you find that center. But the real question begins, becomes, is that that martial arts class, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's two hours a day, maybe a week, however many times you go. But what about the other hours the rest of the day, the rest of the week? So the real question becomes is, how do I transfer that state? And how do I mechanically do that in a progression so that I can maintain that state outside? What do I do outside of the dojo, off the mats, away from my meditation room, in the world, when pressures from all over the place are coming to me? So that becomes the question that we have to answer. So then the next piece is when we look at the center, you have to be able to find your center. Then you have to be able to move from your center. Then you have to be able to keep your center under pressure. And like you said, the next piece is you have to be able to recover your center when you get knocked off. And this is training. This is training. We have to train it. It's it's a progression. You have to train it. It's a skill just like anything else. And that's what you have to do. So for example, let's say that you, that you like to listen to music. 
right? You put your headphones on. That's how you get in the zone and you're doing your work and you've blocked out all the other distractions. But right here on your computer, you're doing your work, you're in the zone and you're feeling the flow. Okay, so the next thing becomes, how do I now take this flow outside of me, outside of my booth I'm in, outside of the computer I'm in? So the next progression is very simple. It's like, okay, keep your headphones on, keep that state, go outside, go for a walk. Go for a walk around your block and see how long could you keep that state or how quickly did you get distracted? Then once you practice that a little bit, the next thing becomes, all right, now keep those headphones on, go to the grocery store. Can you keep the state? Now come back. Get back in your state at home. Another time, build the progression. Now take your headphones off. Can you keep doing your work and be in the state without the headphones? Then can you keep that state when you're moving outside, walking around just simply in your block? Then can you keep that state when you're um, going to the grocery store? It's simple little things like this that every single person can do. Can you keep that state when you're driving your car? Can you keep that state when you're brushing your teeth? Can you keep that state when you open the door? Things that you do every day all the time, use them as check-ins to train it. Now, from that's for like general people, but in martial arts, we have the great gift. The magnificent secret of martial arts is an experiential feedback loop that tells me when I'm off, that tells me when I'm up in my head, that tells me when I'm reacting, that tells me when I'm holding my breath. So for example, you could do a simple jab drill. And as you're doing the jab drill, well, first you start off with the person feeding you. Can you keep your center? Can you stay there? Can you stay calm, cool, and collected? Can you stay watching and joining your opponent? Can you be right there? while they're feeding you. Okay. So then after you you feel good with that, like, okay, turn it up a little bit. So now when they're feeding you every now and then have them do random changes in speed, have them do random fakes, have them do random changes in pressure or the depth of penetration of the blow. Have add that up and okay, you feel good with that. Okay, cool. Then take it up to one more step. And then after that, what you do is say, let's spar jab only. So you progressively build this up, but the key is that what you're training is the state that you're in and how well can you keep it progressively as you increase the dial of chaos. That's the goal. And then just like in martial arts, everything we do, it's a step-by-step progression. And what you will realize when you train this way, and then you take it out into the rest of the world, because the most important thing is how well can I maintain this state beyond the mat? Because martial arts, we're not... um, hobbyist is a lifestyle. So it's a lifestyle means, can I keep this state? Can I keep this calm? Can I keep this relaxation? Can I keep this open field of awareness when I'm outside? Or do I get jump back up into my head? That That's the key really, you know, Eric, I think at the thing end of the day is how, how many times do I get stuck in my head? And how many times do I become aware that I'm stuck in my head and that I can change it? How many times can you catch yourself thinking? How many times can you catch yourself complaining, criticizing, condemning? How many times can you catch yourself beating yourself up? Because the greatest enemy you have is within that that yip-yap talk that's always going on. So how many times can you catch that? The great thing is the moment you catch it, the next moment you're in center. Now the key thing happens, how long do you stay there? So like anything in life, you have to train it and um, your whole experience will change once you come from your center. So unpacking that and boiling it down, what you're essentially saying is a lot of the distress and turmoil going on inside of your head and within your life can be fixed by mastering your center. And that's a concept you learn through your practice of martial arts. Now, as martial artists today, I find that there's a common thread between all of us. We all want to be protectors and providers of our loved ones. And in today's chaos, 
wars and inflation and the government and a million different things. It's becoming harder and harder to be a protector and a provider. And it can be un, a very aggressive, uneasy feeling, even for myself included, not being able to have that feeling of security and providing for your family. How would you handle that? What are some steps you can maybe tell the listeners who are feeling this in order to deal with those type of emotions? Well, I think at the end of the day, when you come back to it, it's very important. You have to have food, food on the table, right? That you got to take care of your family. But nothing in this world is going to be easy, okay? So there, you, we're all going to have painful experiences, yeah? We're all going to go through trials and through tribulations. We're going to go through turmoil. We're going to go through obstacles. We're going to face barriers. Every single one of us is going to do that. Now, with that comes a certain pressure. So that pain that's there that you're experiencing, that's real. Everybody goes through it. But the suffering that comes from that, that we bring to it. You see what I'm saying? You're going through a difficult time. You're going through some stressful things that are happening. Okay. But how much to that are you adding? How much of the suffering to that are you adding is your own reactive tendency? How much of your life force are you giving to worrying? How much of your life force are you giving to a need for uh, approval? How much of your life force are you giving to um, a need to control everything because you're afraid it won't work out the way you want it to work out? How much life force are you giving to fear? How much life force are you wasting complaining about what's happening? How much life force are you wasting condemning the situation, complaining and criticizing? So the thing becomes that we have to become very aware that there's a task at hand and whatever that task is at hand, I have to complete that task without adding any of my own stuff to it. Many times what ends up happening is that what we think is happening versus what is actually happening are two different things. So our experience of what is happening comes down to what we think is happening plus or to uh, what um, so what comes down to what we think is happening versus what is actually happening, okay? So what we think is happening normally is what is actually happening plus our own stuff on top of it. And that's a whole different thing that's happening. But if we can get and remove our issues, if we can remove our insecurities, if we can remove our need for control, if we can remove our need for approval, um, if we can remove our own reactive tendencies and tensions, then we can observe the situation for what is actually happening, save a lot of energy. And from that position, we're able to accurately choose an appropriate response or action to what is actually happening. Because most of the time, if we think about it, what we think is happening, we blow it out of proportion, we don't see it clearly, and therefore our actions are really reactions to these tendencies that we have. And many times what ends up happening is we just repeat patterns that we've learned. We learn patterns from our parents. We learn patterns from our teachers. We all have traumatic experiences that we've been through. We, we all have been betrayed, rejected, and abandoned. And so for doing that, what ends up happening is we put up these masks. We put up these barriers. We put up these ways and filters to see the world through. Now, those that's just our stuff that we've added to it. But can we peel away those layers remove our stuff to see things clearly for what they are, then we can commit to put our focus on what the solution is, right? That's the whole thing. How do I get to the solution? Tough times are always going to be there. 
difficult times are always going to be there. So how much of my time am I spending worrying in, in stress, in fear? That's all a choice. That's a choice. I'm choosing to do it. So when people are like, oh, I, I, it's out of my control, that's incorrect. It's 100% in your control. It's 100% in your control to catch yourself in those states, those negative states, because most of the time, and even the listeners listening, the talk in your head is negative. The self-talk in your head is negative. So 95 to 99% of the time, whatever yip-yap is happening in your head is negative. So we have this negative operating system, this voice in our head that tells us what we can and we can't do, that always questions us, that always uh, uh, puts us on edge, that always keeps us in this never-ending loop. How much time are we wasting? Now, once we can kill that voice, because the enemy is and always was within. Martial arts, I'm not fighting an opponent. If I'm fighting myself in this situation and fighting the opponent. So if I'm going to go down and I have to fight myself and the opponent, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, outnumbered and I'm helping my opponent. But if I'm going to go out, I'm going to sure as hell make sure that I'm not beating myself up, that my doubts, my fears, my insecurities are not in play. So if I go out and the guy takes me out, my man, it's a good day to go because he took me out, but I didn't help him taking me out. That's the same with any problem. Can we really face that problem and see it for what it actually is? And then if we can, guess what? Now we can work towards solutions that are co-measurate or take actions, make decisions that are conscious, and they're not decisions that are reactive. And this happens in life, whether you're looking to provide for your family, but also in a martial arts situation. How many more techniques are you going to learn? How many more are you going to learn? I'm, I'm not saying you don't go out and train. Once you've trained to a certain level and you have the ability to understand punching and kicking, striking arts, trapping arts, clinching and grappling arts, uh, weapons-based arts, once you understand that, how many more techniques are you going to collect? At what point does the art switch from an external collection of acquiring information to an internal introspection of the individual taking part in the art. As Bruce Lee said, or quoted, man, the living being, the creating individual is far more important than any set style or system. The state of the operator is more important than the operation. So that when we start to shift to what's happening, what we're doing, what we're working on versus who is doing it, and that becomes my primary operating system for who is doing it, where am I coming from? Because where you're coming from is where you're going. If you're coming from stress, fear, and anxiety, that's what's going to happen. What you think about is what's going to come about. So if you're thinking about being tired, if you're thinking about defeat, if you're thinking about, oh my goodness, this is so difficult, you know what? That's more of what you're going to get. So this is really, I think, the true essence of martial arts, for me at least in my life, is how it's transferred over into other aspects of every single thing else I do. And everything I mentioned to you so far is all training from martial arts that I've received. That's the internal Kung Fu training. When I went to learn it, I was like, hey man, I just want to, I just want to learn to you know, turn people off. <laughs> I, want, I want to learn how to kill people very efficiently because I was very angry. I was very afraid because I'd been assaulted. I'd been jumped and I was, I was fearful. And many times people don't want to admit that they're afraid. The only people that are not afraid, they're sociopaths or they're lying. Fear is real. But can we accept it? Can we acknowledge it? Can we see what the root of it is? And most importantly, can I transform it? Anger is real. Can I transform it? 
That's the whole thing. And that's really what it's about. In martial arts, the highest technique is that of no technique, but that gets kind of um, a little woo-woo, but let's make it simple. It's the ability to change and the ability to adapt. If I can change with change, that's the changeless state. That's the true adaptability. That's truly being like water. But to do that, I got to first empty my mind of all the bullshit that I have collected, that people have taught me, that I've had to um, use to protect myself in situations where I didn't have any other tools, right? But if we really want to go from a survival-based operating system to a thriving operating system, we have to start to understand, okay, how do I change my patterns? How do I change my thinking? How do I look at things differently? Instead of just continuing to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. Innovators lead and the rest fall in line. When you're looking for martial arts gear, you want it made by someone who respects tradition but isn't afraid to push the boundaries. That's why I go with Century Martial Arts. The guys who brought you Bob. Yes, that's right. Bob, the grim-faced opponent bag that John Wick shoots, Deadpool slashes, and I hit more times than I can count. These are the same guys that invented the freestanding heavy bag. When it comes to innovative martial arts gear, Century is the true OG. Since 1976, accepting nothing less than progress. Go to CenturyMartialArts.com. Don't forget to use my specific discount code to get great deals and let them know that I sent you. When checking out, use discount code BBPOD10. That's BBPOD10. It seems like it's an endless pursuit. Can you actually master something? Nah. What does mastery mean to you? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, so uh, as my teacher defined it, Mastery is the continuous change and transformation of the being. And that's all you have to do here while you're on this rock running around the sun. Okay. That's, that was what he defined it as. And it's like, okay. So when I started to understand that, that mastery is continuous change and transformation, that there's no destination. Now I don't reward myself to say, oh my goodness, I've got this belt. I've got this accolade. I've got to this place. So it's not results-based anymore. It's transformation-based, it's change-based, it's process-based, it's in the moment-based. So we all have an opportunity to do that. We all have an opportunity to pause and make a different choice. And that is mastery. Mastery comes down to your decisions. Mastery comes down to the ability to pause, not react to the situation that's happening, take a breath, step back, expand your awareness and make a different choice. Because when we do that, that's where we really start to have level-ups in our life. Level ups in your martial arts and the physical endeavors, level ups in your energy, level ups in your spiritual connection to something greater and higher than yourself. You know, um, like spiritual growth is it's not necessarily found on a yoga mat or in the dojo or um, in a meditation room. It's found in the space between your thoughts. It's found in the space between your decisions. It's found in that still point, the transition between stimulus and response. That if I can pause and master those transitions and come to center in those moments and choose something other than what I would have done, that is functional spirituality and growth in all aspects of my life. Because now I have become player number one, changing the code, changing the game, changing the trajectory, because I'm consciously aware of what I used to do. And I'm consciously aware of what's happening 
and I take a moment to pause and I choose something different. And that's where that growth starts to happen. Because like I said earlier, and what's the definition of insanity? You keep doing the same thing, expect a different result. It's not going to, that's not going to benefit anybody. We all know, we all know working harder is not mm, the way to change the result if you're doing the same thing. I love that. Another area where this leaks into, and I know you've become obsessed with it ever since you were competing in martial arts. You also were a high level tennis player, but is high performance optimal performance, finding the flow state. And I know that you do coaching for military officers, CEOs, people who need to be performing at their absolute optimal state. And they're looking for the micro changes that are going to separate them from the rest of their peers, colleagues, competition in order to excel. Could you talk about how you view high performance and what route you take in order to educate these people on finding their flow and reaching their optimal level. Yes, absolutely. So to quote the great Miyamoto Musashi, the way is in training. Okay. And what does that training come down to? There's two things, three things, actually. Number one is accurate perceptive awareness. And number two is effective interactions. And number three is managing your life force, managing your energy system. So that's really what the training is centered around. So accurate perceptive awareness means I have to accurately be able to perceive what's actually happening outside of my reactive patterns, tendencies, outside of my biases. Can I listen? Like when we look at the, the, the act of listening or the uh, skill of listening, true listening is to listen without bias, to listen without judgment to listen without interpretation, to listen without extrapolation. It's just to listen to listen. Then from there, can I outreach? Can I teach and train myself to feel all of me interacting with all of you? So let's make that very simple. We're all just objects at rest in space. And when we're moving, we're objects at rest when we're moving. What does it mean? We have space that we occupy, we have weight, and we're all under the law of gravity. Can you feel that? Can you be, get out of your head, get into your body and get into the ground? Okay, so those are the first two steps. Then the next thing from there is, all right, now can I learn to follow what's happening? And what does follow mean? Can I be in sync? Not behind trying to catch up, not trying to push, not trying to force something. Can I be in sync with what's happening? And the next piece from there is, can I join in the situation? Can I join with my teammates? Can I join with my loved ones? Can I join with my opponent? If I can join with them and I can become one, I can see what's important to them. I can see what they're after. I can see it's not the words that they say. It's the energy behind it. It's not just the energy that's behind it. You can feel the story, the hurt, the wounding behind it. What is the motivation, the intention behind what somebody does? Can you look through their eyes and see what they're seeing? Because if you can, you can see what's important to them. Once you know what's important to them, you know how to communicate to them without forcing them, without fighting them. Then you can lead them away or you can lead them astray. You can, as a team, you can, that's how you build a team. And as an opponent, I need to be joined with my opponent. So my moves become their moves that they make what happens come out of it. And I don't force things. And that freeing yourself from yourself, you know, my Sifu said, we're going to take on this ridiculous task of freeing yourself from yourself because you are in the way. You are always in the way. 
if I can free myself from myself, now it's not A versus B. It's just B. It's about them. Can I make it about them? At home, I had to really learn this because I was not very good at this. Can I make it about my wife? Can I make it about my son? Can I make it about them? Can I make it about my students? Or do I have an agenda of my own that I'm trying to push? That awareness is, is, is really starts to, to craft a cow. Because at the end of the day, if you know yourself and you know your enemy, or you know yourself and you know your loved ones, or you know yourself and you know your teams, or you know yourself and you know your opponents, whatever it is, you have to first know who you are before you can know other people. Because what you're looking to study in yourself is your patterns. And you will notice, and once you've studied it in yourself, you'll see it in other people. So you don't have to read it. So you have, we have to start to retrain ourselves on how we read people by first learning to read ourselves, by learning to read our limitations, by learning to read our reactive tendencies, by understanding what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, how we deal with opportunities, how we deal with threats, how we've done them in the past. We have all this data to study. That that, that in-depth study is the most important thing. Because once I start to uncover and I unlock my decision-making process, and I start to see the patterns, I can start to change it. So that's one big part of it. And the next part is, as I mentioned before, is accurate um, perception. You got to get out of your head and stop trying to analyze things. And you have to start learning to feel what's happening. And the simplest thing is that we all know gravity is acting on us, right? We all know gravity is acting on us. But how aware are we that there's this force that's always pulling us down? If you lose sight of gravity that's acting on you all the time, because relaxation flows down. Tension rises. Tension rises, you get tensed up. Your thoughts speed up. Your respiration speeds up. Your heart rate speeds up. Everything goes up. It goes up into your head and it gets you crazy. But you have to learn to relax down. And while you're relaxing down with, you're falling down with gravity because gravity's pulling you down. It's grounding you. It's bringing you into the ground. But you have to train that. That through training is the way it's in training. You start to train getting out of your head into your body into using your feeling accurate perceptive awareness so you can start to feel what's happening. So you can start to follow and join what's happening. Now from there, you have a whole different vantage point of the experience because now you're experiencing what is actually happening. That when I'm following and joining you, I'm not doing me, I'm doing you. I'm accurately perceiving what's happening. That's what's going to lead to an effective interaction because an effective interaction will never be effective if I'm in the way thinking what's happening or, or, or imagining a situation that's happening because it's not real and it never becomes real until I know what of my own stuff am I adding to it? My own bias am I adding to it? My own fears, my own doubts that I'm adding to it. And now you can really start to accurately read the room in the situation. Guess what? Now you can make your choices that are co-measured to what's actually happening. And that's the law of effective interaction. And that changes everything. That changes things in martial arts. That This is all martial arts training, by the way. My Sifu taught it to me. It all comes from there. Because you have to take a look at what your fears are. You have to take a look at what your doubts are. You have to study those. And most of the time what happens is people don't address their fears and their doubts, the self-doubt that's in them. When you go to a good teacher, when you go to a good leader, what makes them really successful, like a Master Miyagi or a Yoda, right? These, these characters that we see on TV, why is it that we're so attracted to them? Now, of course, they can kick ass, right? But what is it? It's an extreme trust in themselves. 
They trust themselves. We want to be around people who trust themselves because we want to learn to trust ourselves because we don't really trust ourselves. And that's the key thing. When you're in an environment where somebody trusts themselves, they create a space that's safe for you to start to look at why you don't trust yourself. That's the leader. That's the teacher you want because they trust themselves. You're not trying to 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 have somebody that that you're like, oh, that's my teacher, and so uh, I, I believe in myself because I have a great teacher. No, you want to be around somebody that's a great teacher, a great leader, a great life partner, a great friend, a great um, companion that trusts themselves, because that creates a space to allow you to trust yourself. And that's the whole part of martial arts is to do this journey to get to the point that I can trust myself. I can trust myself in the actions that I take. I can trust myself in the decisions that I make. But I can't trust myself if I'm not aware of this acquired personality that's always in the way, that's always questioning everything I do, and that was created. And it's not real. It's a mask that I developed to protect myself because I was afraid something happened. That's how you create an ego. Ego, fear, but all those things are trapped inside your body. And they're trapped in the, from things in the past. And they create fears for the future. You're not really ever living or experiencing anything. Let alone have the ability to connect to something higher than yourself, your mission field, your purpose of why you're here. Now that's real Kung Fu, right? Real Kung Fu is about going in to find out why you're here so you can serve. So you can help, but you can't get to that point till you've really taken a look inside to see what are the things that I need to work through? Because all of us have something to work through. That's why we're here. Otherwise, what would be the point? We're not here to window shop. We're here to work through our own shit so that we could take those lessons and then somebody will be brought to us that we could share those with and we can help them. You know, it makes it a much more uh, practical way of looking at things. Now, for those who want to go down this path to work on themselves, is this something that you can do solo practice or does it require somebody who can maybe see something that you can't to help you through that? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think that comes down to the individual. You know, um, hey, some of the best martial arts in the world that didn't have teachers, right? They were just connected. They went down these paths on their own. Uh, it depends. But I think that having a guide in general for many of us is very important. But the guide is not the giver of truth. The guide is the pointer. The guide is not there um, uh, like making things easy for you. The guide is pointing out, hey, have you considered this? The guide is not giving you answers and solutions. They're pointing you to questions because that's the quest, the questions that have to be asked for transformation. They put you in situations and scenarios that allow you to have an experience of how you would act and react in those situations so that you can really start to learn more about yourself. So they're pointers to the way they're people who bring you experiences, but they don't give you the answers. That's truly what you want because you don't want to be robbed of that experience. But in this world we live in today, everybody wants a hack. They want it yesterday and you can't get it yesterday. This is, you, you can't get it in a book. You have to get it through your experience. Otherwise they're just words, right? You read the words in a book. You may listen to the words I'm saying, but until you have an experience with them, they don't, they're not really real to you, right? And so the real work, that's where it goes in. And, you know, 
I was so fascinated by it because it transfers to every single thing else that I do, more importantly to my ability to perceive and live in this world. Because we can't like just say bounce and like, hey, I'm going to go off to a mountain. That's fine for those who are there and live my life there in seclusion. Very few people have the opportunity to do that. And those whose calling it is, it's wonderful. But we have to live in this world today. We have to live in a world filled with chaos. We have to live in a world filled with uncertainty. We have to interact with other people, places, and things. And so we have to have an effective method of interaction. But really, Eric, you learn it in martial arts. When somebody's smashing you doing jujitsu, the first thing you're going to do is they're going to hold you down and you're going to panic. And they're smashing you and you're panic and you panic and you feel like ah, 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 that happens. So that's the first time you start to see under pressure, how do you act and react? So the first thing is relax, teach you to breathe and relax under the pressure. So they're like, hey, you know what? I'm okay. So once you're old, you say, hey, I'm okay. You take that breath and you relax. Like, okay, now here, let's take a look at the how we're going to escape this situation. Same thing in, in life. But if you don't have somebody, honestly, like there are other ways you could do it, but we're martial artists. This is Black Belt Podcast. And you have somebody punching at you. You have somebody holding you down. You have somebody putting pressure on you. So you have to understand first pressure, what that pressure is, where it's coming from, what it feels like before you can then learn to accept it and then learn how to neutralize it. But you have to know pressure first, right? You have to know what it's like and you have to know how you would react under that pressure. And you start that that operation that way. So we've been all over. We've talked about martial arts. We've talked about mindset. We've talked about mastery. Now, for somebody who's listening right now, what are some key steps you take away that they can do today instantly that they could start down this path, implement something, anything into themselves to live a more centered life. Okay. So we're coming to the end of the year and everybody's in the goal setting phase, right? So there are, everybody wants to set goals and great goals. And you start planning. I want to do this. I want to accomplish this in my personal life, my physical life, in my relationships, whatever it means, martial arts, whatever it is. So when you, when you set a goal, you're, it's like you're at the bottom of a mountain looking up at the mountain, right? You're setting goal. And then if you're smart about setting goal, then you're going to start to make a plan for the, the goal to get up that top of the mountain. You might ask people for assistance that have been up the top of the mountain. But right now, what you could do in this very moment is ask yourself the following question. What has to change in my thinking for me to accomplish this goal? What do I have to change to be able to see things that I haven't seen before? What are the patterns that I keep doing that don't serve me anymore? What are the things I could stop doing right now that waste energy? Many times what we try to do is we try to look outside of ourselves and we get, we, we, we try to distract, we get distracted by setting goals, by jobs and things of that nature, but we don't pause and come to say, okay, I would like to accomplish this great goal. What in me has to change to get this now? What in me has to change to make this more effective? What in me has to change to look at this differently? How do I elevate my perception to raise up so I can be looking down on that mountain instead of looking from the mountain up and only seeing this one path from a view that I'm used to seeing all the time? So that's one very important question that you can ask. And the second thing is, 
okay, what are the, we all know the things that we should not be doing. We all know the things that we should not be doing. Ask yourself, why do I keep doing the things that are not good for me? It's just a simple, honest question. So when we train, there's practice, there's study, but there's contemplation. You have to contemplate, why do you do the things you do? And just sit with it. If we really want to change it, right? And because that requires humility. You know, humility relaxes the ego. Humility is one of the most important things to growth. And you have to come from that humble place that, hey, I could fail, but you know what? It's okay. I'm going to give it a try. Uh, I need help. Let me ask somebody for help. Then when you come from humility, you need openness. You need to be open because when you're not coming from humility, you're coming from ego. It's a fixed approach and fixed being fixed is weakness because like a fixed tree, when the wind comes, it snaps. You need flexibility. So you have to be open to be an explorer. Look at life like an adventure. Look at every day like you're an explorer. Can I explore today with like the wonder and excitement of a fiver? Can I explore? Because now when you're an explorer, you know what you're going to do. You're going to discover something. And then that thing you discover, it's going to make you learn something. And then the thing you learn is going to make you grow. And that's going to make you create something new. And then the next piece is you've got to be detached from results. Be focused, processed, and detach yourself from results. Make yourself the process, the reward, the journey, the reward. If we can start to do these things, it will really help. Another thing that we could do right now is start to say, okay, do I have a morning routine? Do you have a routine you do in the morning that gets you set for the day? Then do you have an evening practice that winds you down? You know, you introduce these pauses throughout the day. But then throughout the day, what do you do to recenter yourself? It's as simple as setting an alarm. Uh, set five alarms throughout the day that when those alarms go off, you pause the world for three to five minutes and you just go and breathe or listen to some music or go for a walk. Get into touch with your breathing. Get in touch with your body. Get in touch with the space around you and train your subconscious that it's important for me to be coming into the center. Then the next thing we want to go one step further is in every interaction you have with people, places, and things, can you introduce a pause before you say something? Can you do a pause before you make an action? Can you make do a pause before you do a decision? That pause, that still point between stimulus and response is where the magic will happen. And, and like anything, uh, when you pause and you say, hmm, it's not necessary to react to the situation. Like, hmm, am I coming at this from fear? Am I coming at this from a need for approval? Am I coming at this from a, trying to control the situation? Guess what? Just those simple questions and these acts throughout the day will alert you to who's making your choices. And oftentimes we'll realize that we never actually make any choices, that our choices are actually just coming from um, this required personality, this mask that we created to protect ourselves. And they're just uh, reactive patterns that we have, and we just keep repeating them. But the moment you pause, you, you take a breath in, you step back, you expand your awareness. You say it's not necessary to react to the situation. And you just see things for what they really are. It gives you a window to change your future. Because now you're not making the decisions based just in your past. Now, let's say, did you go through this process and the conclusion you came to was what your gut said? Guess what? Now you can trust it. 
That's how you build trust. You build trust by understanding the difference between the part of you that you don't trust and how that decision-making process goes versus introducing this. And this is the discipline that it takes. It takes discipline to do things that are good for you. But the interesting thing, right, is like to eat properly, to get up and exercise, to meditate, to do breath work, to not complain, criticize, and condemn takes discipline. But isn't it interesting that it doesn't take discipline to watch Netflix? It doesn't take discipline to like eat all the food. It doesn't take discipline to not work out. So the interesting thing is when you take a look at discipline, discipline's not the problem. It's self-worth that's the problem, right? Because you need discipline to do things that are good for you. Why can't I do the things that are good for me just because they're good for me? It's just a, a question to ask. And again, I only share with you the same questions that I've asked myself. Like, like, why is it that I cannot do things that are good for me? And why is it so easy for me to do things that are not good for me? So discipline is not the issue. It's a self-worth thing. If you value yourself enough, if you love yourself enough, you will start to do things for yourself because you love yourself. You will not do things out of fear. You'll not do things out of anger. You'll not do things from a place of lack, which is most of the time people are like, oh, let me get in shape because I don't like the way I look in the mirror, okay? Or you could switch that around and be like, man, I wonder how easy it would be for me to get so strong. I wonder what limit that I, what could this, what is the potential of this body and mind that I have? What could I really do with this? Man, how strong could I get so that one day if I'm needed to help somebody, maybe rescue them from a car, uh, carry them out from a building, that I would be ready for that. It's It all comes down to what you say to yourself, how you think. And it all comes down to who's doing the thinking in your mind. Is it really you? Or is it this um, pattern that you've adopted? And that's knowing yourself and knowing the enemy because knowing yourself is who are you really and knowing the enemy is those voices in your head that's not you. But that's the greatest trick ever. You think it is. Recently, I had the distinct honor of being down at your training facility and you put on a DTAC-8 law enforcement program. And what really stood out for me was it wasn't just the defensive tactics to keep officers safe, but there was a very a heavy component on officer wellness. Could you expand on it? Yeah, Eric. You know, I think when we, we take a look, as I've mentioned before, it's DTAC 8. So it's 08 on purpose. Um, zero is the state of the operator, the state of the officer. And eight is the eight essential skills that we have. So, you know, of course, the eight essential skills from standing, striking, grappling, takedown defense, edge weapons, blunt weapons weapon retention, mass attack, et cetera. They, you know, the eight skills that they need to develop um, that they would most commonly find themselves in. And, and that's a big important part of it, right? That's your, your strategy and your tactics. But the state of the individual doing the strategy and tactics is the most important thing. So when shit hits the fan, do you have the ability to relax under pressure? Do you have the ability to slow down time? Do you have the ability to expand your awareness? Do you have the ability to read the room or read the opponent, make a conscious choice? Can we train this awareness and weaponize it is very important. And that's very important for them in the execution of the strategy and the tactics. It's, it's very important for them in executing strategy and tactics of anything that they've learned. 
So the key part of this program that it's a it's a plugin, a plug-in to what is already there. So it's kind of like I'm not there creating a phone. I'm giving you an app to play on the phone that you already have. But the most important thing is the operating system of the officer. And if you take a look at the operating system of the officer, that when they have to deal with conflict, uh, how do they they deal with conflict? What are the step by steps? And what is the state? So, for example, what is the practice, and how do you, they prepare for before they go to the work? So, how do they get in a state of of performance? And what do they do in the morning before they leave their home? Then the next thing we have to take a look at is, okay, throughout the day and the stressful situations that they encounter from the varying degrees of stress that they're going to be in, how well do they manage and transform that stress? How well do they manage it in a life and death situation? How well do they manage it in many little situations that are not life and death, but they're still stressful and they're still tense? How do they manage it? What is the tools for them to do that? But one of the most important things is, okay, at the end of that job, at the end of the duty that day, how are they going to re, uh, transform that stress? How are they going to release the stress before they go home? And for the people listening that are not police officers, we all have jobs, we all work, we all have stressful days, and we are all guilty of bringing stress home. So when you bring stress home, the most important thing I care about is performance at work and presence at home. Okay. So if you're stressed and you bring that stress at home, then that stress is going to be put on your family. You're going to be up in your head. You're not going to be present. That's going to cause a strife in your family and your relationships, and that's going to increase the stress. Then the next day when you go back to work, now you're going to take the stress of your reactions with your family into the next day. So that's going to affect your performance at work. And you, this cycle is never ending. And it's a never, whether you're an officer or you're not an officer, any job, this is a never ending cycle, that, this infinite loop that most people find themselves in. So we have to have a, an understanding, first and foremost, of that's how it works. That my relationships at home are going to influence my performance at work. And my performance at work is going to influence my relationships at home. We cannot separate the two. So if I want officers to be making great decisions, great choices under pressure, they have to learn how to relax and release tension. They have to learn to study tension. That's really what it is. What's relaxation is the study of tension, finding the source of it and transforming it and turning it into a skill. We have to understand tension because tension is enemy number one. And that tension may be uh, somebody yelling at them because they're asking them to do a simple task all the way up to somebody drawing a gun on them. The next thing too is that they see a lot of things. Police officers, military, they see things that none of most of us never see. And they don't have an opportunity they don't feel safe to share those things. They're not allowed to. They're not given permission to talk about these things, to process these things. So a tool set has to be given there to understand the energetic psychology of trauma that they see and understand that that's very important for them, not only for their relationships at home, but performance in the job the next day, but most importantly, the QOL, the quality of their life. So the whole program is designed in a way to take officers to understand the emotions, the stresses, the fears, the anxieties that they face uh, on the job and how they influence them outside. And most importantly, what are the tools, what are the processes that they can do 
to start to manage it so it doesn't get to an unmanageable situation. So it doesn't get to a point where they just can't take it anymore. And we all can stop hiding around the bush that if you take a look at PTSD-related uh, suicides, you look at PTSD-related um, impacts on people's relationships and the alcoholism rates and consumption of other things, it's extremely high. So uh, our job or my goal and my team's goal is to provide a program that gives them the tools to not only perform at work, but also find peace and presence and playfulness at home. And it's all together because you cannot separate officer wellness from officer performance. You cannot separate your mind and your body and it's the tensions from the ability to slow down, flow, focus, and relax and make good decisions. You can't do it. You can't do it in any endeavor. So instead of separating the two things, we address them step by step throughout the program. So the defensive tactics go hand in hand. It's called DTAC-8. So DTAC means defensive tactics and awareness in combat. So we develop it hand in hand. And that also allows them to make better choices, um, allows them to be more successful in the field, under stressful, sometimes life and death situations. And it's it, that same tool set allows them to have better relationships at home. One other thing I notice with the Black Belt podcast is you get the experience of interviewing so many different types of martial arts. And I've heard you before put them into three different categories. Tradition, sport, and reality. Could you touch on how martial arts can all fall into maybe these three baskets? Yeah, absolutely. So so the whole point of this podcast was for me to sit down with martial arts masters and experts in their fields so I could learn. <laughs> I, you know, when I first went to Black Belt um, Magazine at that time with the idea this was in the middle of COVID, I said, hey, you know, I would love to sit down and talk, not just about, you know, superficial things like, oh, tell me your story, where you came from, but talk about the real stuff and in the sense of how, how do they perform under situations I've had the honor of working with gold medalists. I've had the honor of working with world champions. I've had the honor of working with Navy SEALs and, and agents that have seen the craziest things on, in this planet. And I've had the honor of, of sitting down and, and uh, um, interviewing masters that have been around for, you know, decades, like 50 decades, they've seen the whole transition change. There's so much amazing knowledge that's out there that first of all, I'm so humbled and honored to just be able to sit with them and listen to them so I can learn. Um, and I said, Hey, well, let's record it. And, and hopefully the audience can get something beneficial out of it too. Because the purpose of the Black Belt podcast was to create a bridge between sport, tradition, and reality, and create a bridge between martial arts as a hobby and as a lifestyle. And when you take a look at sport, tradition, and reality, we're living in an era that we have access to all of them. I think we're living in one of the greatest eras of martial arts, that you do have access to sport. You have access to combat sports, uh, boxing and wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA and Thai boxing and kickboxing. You have access to, you know, you can say reality all martial arts should be reality, honestly, but reality-based, there's buckets of things like Krav Maga and street fighting arts, Jikundo, Kali falls in there, and other arts that are there that fall into a, a reality-based, um, very self-preservation methodology that's used oftentimes by a military government and police agencies. And of course, the traditional arts. 
the traditional arts have so much to offer us. They have so much to offer us from a perspective of personal growth and self-development, to develop discipline, to develop an understanding of who we truly are, that this warrior's way that's been around for so long, these teachings that have stood the test of time that we have access to. And and their methods are there too. Sometimes what ends up happening with traditional martial arts is it's it's when somebody says, does this art work or does that art not work? It's the user. It comes down to the user. There is no superior style or system. It's the superior individual. It's the person who can solve the problem the best. That's what it comes down to. If you see a form, you if you're let's say you're a, a wrestler and you see a, a Okinawan karate form. You you see them do a move like, oh, I see, that's a throw. Oh, that's a sweep. You see, you can see it. It all comes down to your experience and your lens to see it. And how do you put it together? How do you build the puzzle? We're living in this era where you have boxing or you have combat sports and you have reality and you have tradition. So the combat sports allow you to have pressure to test things in a rule set. You need that. You need somebody throwing a jab at you, taking you down, smashing you. And you have to be able to do it in a way that doesn't hurt you. So you have rule sets to do that. So you can feel pressure. So you can understand timing, angles, and distance against a live opponent that is uh, resisting you. Then you go and you train street applications. You can't really do street applications sometimes all the time safely without injuring your partner. So you have to go slow. You have to create scenarios. So then you create scenarios that create pressures where you have more roles, where your attackers play roles that you would see on the street that give you these these um, these situations to practice your tool set and you, you wear um, a lot of protective gear. You'll increase your adrenaline. You'll increase your breathing. You'll get yourself panicked and tired. So you do different things to have that state and in that state experience that. And in the traditional arts, you have an opportunity to go internal, to investigate who you really truly are, that you have an opportunity to understand tactics and strategy and how you can apply it across the board. So you can understand body mechanics and alignment, how gravity plays, how do you, the breath and the mind and the spirit and the development of the spirit and how you can develop that. So if you can do all three of those things, I mean, you're, it's, 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 it's a, that's why I say it's the best era to be in martial arts. So we have access to all of these things because they all lead you once in a, once and always is to who you really are and what you could really do. And you have to look at it like an explorer and that this is a great experiment and there is no end result. There is no, uh, I'm a master now. That when, when you learn something very proficiently, what you really start to see is how much you don't know. That's the more you train, the more you realize how much you don't know. And that's this endless potential of knowledge and endless potential of growth. And it's in that space that unlike other sports, we can keep growing. We can keep going. We're not limited to, you know, uh, the physical. We're not limited to just the energetic. And there's no limit in the spirit. Because at the end of the day, we're all here to work on ourselves so we could be benefit to the world. That's what a warrior is. That's what a guardian is. A guardian, a protector, a provider is somebody who creates a space where other people feel safe enough to express themselves. It's not always just about feeling safe that, oh, I'll protect you in a fight. Of course, that's great. That's where we are. I mean, otherwise, you know, people can say uh, you're, you're peaceful, but it takes a very dangerous person to be peaceful because they're choosing peace. 
And that creates a whole different environment. But it's not just about the physical aspect. That do you allow people to be who they are? Do you allow people to feel safe? People feeling safe around you is really what it is because they don't feel safe and they don't trust themselves. So that gives them some space. And it's in that space that they have an opportunity to grow, you see? Otherwise, they'll just continue to put the shields up and they'll just continue to armor themselves. And um, and then you, you're just acquiring things instead of going inside and transforming, dying to the version of yourself that you were before to to grow into something greater that's already inside like a like a butterfly in a in a caterpillar the butterfly is already and always was inside the caterpillar the david michelangelo's david david is inside the rock you're not seeking anything outside yourself you're just looking to hack away at the essentials get rid of what you don't need stop wasting time stop doing things that are not essential stop doing things that are not necessary and you just hack away and find who you really are. And it's always been there. It's and then it's never outside. It's always chip away and go inside, find the greatness that's within and let it out. Let that light shine bright. Because you do the hard work for yourself, provide a safe space for everyone else. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Nice. I think everyone listening to this podcast loves gleaning knowledge and learning new things, chasing wisdom. But I'm curious, what do you think the difference between knowledge and wisdom is? Uh, fantastic question. So when you look at the path, right? The path is knowledge, that's information, right? We all need knowledge. We need techniques, we need information. Wisdom is time with that information, okay? So you put time into the information, you get experiences with it. And you start to see how that, that knowledge works in real time under pressure. But then we have to go to the step of understanding. And that step of understanding is that when you have truly transformed the way you think and operate because of that knowledge, that you are no longer the same person you were that was learning that knowledge, that you've upgraded the operating system, that now you completely understand it, it's embedded inside you. Now you have a knowing without knowing. Right. And so that's the step by step process. So even in martial arts training, are you, we just picking knowledge? Are we just going to seminars? Are we just going to train and learning katas, learning forms, learning information? And you have all this information. How much wisdom do you have? So it means how functional is that information? And then how much understanding is there? It's like how much of it is embedded in your body that without thinking you could do it, that without thinking that you know that this one thing can be applied all these different ways, that this one thing over here can be applied in every aspect of my life. So that's the true path, right, that we, we want to take. And so you always go from knowledge to wisdom to an understanding. And that's how you take a technique or you take a piece of information or you take a strategy and you take it from a piece of knowledge to embedding it inside you. Now it's yours. You've absorbed it. And now you've upgraded yourself. You've changed how you look or view the world or how you interact in a situation that you could use it at any time without thinking. It's a knowing without knowing. And, and that's really the process. Love it. And we're on the Black Belt Podcast. I know you love to conclude the episodes with a final question. What does a Black Belt mean to you? Well, um, the black belt, if you look at it, means that you've been training, that you've dedicated yourself, 
that you've earned the right to now start to take the journey inwards. That you you've dis, you you've practiced the external, you've understand how fights work, you understand how pressure works, you understand the philosophy of courage, confidence, and clarity. You understand that you're here to serve people. You understand all of these things, and but now you're ready to take it a step further. That the black belt is really the point that you get to where we study our martial art. It's about the art up until black belt. After black belt, it's about you. It's about you letting go of the art. It's about you letting go of limitations. It's about you starting to become the artist. Because in martial art, martial, the word martial, art is already inside martial. That you get to the point now that you're like, okay, I've I've studied these techniques. I've, I've studied these movements. It's built my confidence. It's gotten me to a point where now I can really take a look at how do I honestly express myself as an individual? What is my personal expression? That becomes art. So it's that, that, that transference into every aspect of what you do. And did you just begin again? It's, it's just a step that once you get a black belt, you just, you've just learned the learning process. And then you just start again and you keep doing it again, become a white belt to black belt, white belt to black belt, white belt to black belt, white belt to black belt. You just learned the process of evolution. You've learned the process of growth, of training. You've learned the process of creation. And once you've learned it, now you start to apply that in every aspect of your life. Do you have do you have a black belt in relationships? Do you have a black belt in business? Do you have a black belt in leadership? Do you have a black belt in service? Do you have a black belt in praying? Do you have a black belt? So you see, everything is a process. Once you've understood that process from white to black belt, you can start to apply that process to many other fields uh, across the board, whether it's the work you do, the relationships you're in, uh, or just in general, your experience of life. What a way to end the show. Everyone listening on Black Belt Podcast, thank you for having us. Sifu Singh, thank you for sharing your knowledge. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Well, they can go to at Sifu Singh. S-I-F-U-S-I-N-G-H uh, on Instagram. Um, they can go to sifusing.com uh, for martial arts stuff. They can go to Master Your Center um, for all the mindset and training uh, aspects of things. Um, they can go to the Budo Brothers to see my courses. They can go to blackbelt.com to see my courses. Master's Magazine uh, for my courses. Um, I'm all over the place. Um, and so, yeah, just do a look up for that. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys out there. Martial arts is the greatest vehicle to discover human potential. My friends, follow, like, subscribe, and share this message with the world. The Black Belt Podcast can be found on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all major broadcasting outlets. I'm your host, Harinder Singh. And always remember, wherever you go, everyone's a little bit safer. Wherever you are, anyone in need has a friend. And when you come home, they're happy to see you. It's a good life.